Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Mr. Fryer, NCAA tournament right here in Shy City. About to talk some hoops. Let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you? Our number two here on the Lawrence Holmes Show, Anthony Heron, in for the great Lawrence Holmes. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Big and Heron. College Hoops coverage on the score is presented by Samuel Adams, Wicked Hazy. Let's go back out to the score hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino. Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and that is where we find Mr. John Fanta. He's a play-by-play voice for college basketball on Fox, covers the Big East very closely. You can also find him on the Field of 68 podcast that a variety of the best college hoops commentators and personalities, writers in the industry are all over that. John right now in Chicago because, uh, you know, even though Wisconsin didn't make it, there's not any Big Ten action happening here in Chi-City for the tourney, but some of the best squads in the country. Sweet 16 commences at the UC tomorrow. Mr. Fanta, how you doing? And I'm doing great. It's great to be with you talking madness. I got chills no walking in the United Center. I've never been in the building and just seeing all those banners spoke for itself, my friend. Oh, man, first time in the UC, so first time. Uh, how, how frequently have you been to Chicago then? Is your first time hanging out in the Windy City too? Well, I've been to Chicago a good amount doing different events, different games, just for whatever reason. Haven't ended up lining up with the United Center, but it's great to be back in Chicago. I, I think it's one of the better cities to host an event like this, hosting the regionals. Place should be rocking tomorrow night. And you got Kansas in the building. They're fans, what they bring. And you have some teams that, aren't as familiar with this stage. I mean, Providence, they're in the Sweet 16 for the first time in 25 years. It's an unbelievable story what Ed Cooley has engineered. Then you got Miami and Iowa State, two Cinderella-ish stories, teams that were off the map heading into this tournament, and here they are 40 minutes from an Elite Eight. One of the two, Miami or Iowa State, is going to be in the Elite Eight. You would not have been able to predict that when this tournament started. How surprised are you that the Wisconsin Badgers aren't one of the teams here? Because coming into the tournament, I kind of just looking at the way Wisconsin season played out, like 
15 wins in a row were by six points or less, and they always found a way to make that happen. So I felt like that can be an ingredient for crunch time in the tournament. It could also lead to an early exit. Who knows? So what, what were your expectations for the Badgers coming in? Well, my expectations were that they were good enough to get to an Elite A Final Four, and they didn't live up to them. And injuries happen, and Chucky Hepburn's injury comes at a brutal time. My concern with Wisconsin all along was could they have enough scoring beyond Johnny Davis? And, and the thing is, Ant, they, they did not on a consistent basis. And that's why they're at home right now. So, for me, I, I thought very highly of Wisconsin. I mean, I, I thought they had one of the best regular seasons of any team in the country. They had the best player in the nation, bar none. I would put Johnny Davis right there at number one. He was absolutely outstanding. Nobody meant more to their team than Johnny did to Wisconsin. And that's why it's, it's tough not having them here this weekend because they certainly were good enough to get here. But they, they go through the Hepburn injury. They just they weren't themselves in the tournament, and, and that's why they're sitting at home right now. And it also displays the tournament, man, because that's a Wisconsin team that had a terrific year. They entered the year being off the radar in the Big Ten, and they end up coming out on top as Big Ten co-champions and having a, a historic season, but then it gets derailed in the NCAA tournament. It's why March Madness is the best and the coldest postseason in sports, because it could end like that. No doubt about that, man. There, there are dreams that get crushed every year. And, of course, there's those one-shining moments that tend to happen for a lot of squads as well. Uh, you referenced the teams that are going to be taking the court tomorrow. So Miami comes out of what was viewed as a down ACC this year. They finished number four in the ACC, and I'm wondering because, you know, they're, they're a 10 seed, but it's, it's a conference that historically has been outstanding, but they're an experienced squad. How do you see that, that game between the Canes and the Clones playing out? Well, I think the biggest thing is can Iowa State contain Miami's backcourt? Because with Miami, they've got one of the best playing backcourts left in this tournament. You're talking about Isaiah Wong, Cameron McGustine, and Charlie Moore, a DePaul transfer, uh, who's back here in Chicago this week and has played the best basketball of his career under Jim Laranega this season. So for me, I like Miami in this game. I think they have more ways to score the basketball. I think that their backcourt can give Iowa State issues. And for Iowa State, Isaiah Brockington has to be great, but Jim Laranega knows that. He, he's, he's as good of a scouter as you're going to find throughout his career. So for me – I lean with the Hurricanes because they can score the ball in more effective ways than the Cyclones. Were there many ways to sort of anticipate this may come? Because Miami, it feels like the Canes are at least a squad where where you could see this potential there that didn't always show up in the ACC. In the Big 12 with Iowa State, I, I certainly didn't expect this. I didn't anticipate this type of run being likely for the Cyclones. What's gone so well for them through the first two rounds? Well, they've defended at such a high level. And that came when T.J. Otzelberger walked in and took that job. You think about what they've done in the first two rounds. I mean, they've held their first two opponents to 54 and 49. They want to play a grinded-out game. And they'll take that, going into an under-four timeout, being in a close game, knowing that you've got Brockington, knowing that you've got great length. This is a team that's not pretty. They, they have some principles of some of the recent Virginia teams that we've seen make it far in the NCAA tournament, which is my concern in that you have trouble scoring the basketball at certain times. But Gabe Kalsher, he was very good for them uh, last weekend, 22 points, 
uh, a senior guard who's just taken on that role of being the alpha in key spots. So if they get enough from guys like Tyrese Hunter and Aljaz Kunk, if they can get enough from their supporting cast, they're going to win this game. But Hunter shot one for 10 against Wisconsin. That cannot happen again if the Cyclones are going to win this game against Miami because Miami's going to hit shots. They've got shot makers all over the floor. After being able to survive the Big 12 in the way that Kansas did and earning a one seed, what is it about the Jayhawks that kind of has folks viewing them as the, the most vulnerable of the remaining one seeds? Yeah, I think that that's false. I mean, I, I disagree with that take that Kansas is the most vulnerable of the one seeds. Kansas is facing a tough Providence team, but how about Arizona, who barely got past TCU and should have lost the game, and now faces Houston tonight? Houston might be the least appreciated team, and and Villanova's in that region. Villanova's accounted for two of the last five national championships and is playing like a one seed right now. So for me, uh, why do people think Kansas is vulnerable? Well, they think Kansas is vulnerable because Kansas' point guard play has been inconsistent. DeWan Harris hasn't been particularly great, but Remy Martin, the Arizona State transfer, is coming off a 20-point game against Creighton. So Martin unleashes a whole different side of them, and Ochai Agbaji is an All-American. He's an All-American talent, and you can't say that about everybody that's left in this field. And Bill Self is just such a technician. I mean, there's a reason why Kansas has won – their last three Sweet 16 games that they've played in. There's a reason why this is the 32nd round of 16 appearance for Kansas in their program history. They're so consistent. Arizona's the most vulnerable one seed because this is uncharted in terms of recency. They haven't been in this spot. And Houston is more than capable of beating them. Houston is top three in the Ken Palm rankings. If, if you're into metrics and stuff, the, the Cougars are as efficient of a team as that's left in the field but the nation doesn't believe that because they don't watch Houston enough because they the Americans. It's, the facts are facts. So, uh, for me, I, I, I lean with Arizona being more vulnerable than Kansas. But people think Kansas is vulnerable because Kansas doesn't have a superstar guard. But Martin's playing like it as of late. John Phantom, my guest here on the Lawrence Home Show, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. You can find John on Twitter at John underscore Fanta. You hear him calling college hoops for Fox Sports, and he's the host of the Big East Shootaround, also part of the Field of 68 Cavalcade of commentators. They get to cover college hoops for them. Um, I'm wondering with the with the with Providence, because of the you know, they, they come out of the Big East and they have what, what feels like an outstanding season. They end up getting a four seed, though, and it, for them, with the way they've been rolling here early on, I mean, how, how dangerous is Providence not only to Kansas but to, to a truly deep run and, and kind of a championship-level threat? Well, they're an extremely dangerous team, and I'll tell you why, and, and that is that their sum is greater than the parts. So for Providence, they don't rely on any one piece to be great. They mesh really well. I've never seen, in my time covering college basketball, I've never seen a team as connected as they are right now. They leave their egos at the door. They play connected basketball. They move the ball really well. And they have an elite big man inside, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award finalist in Nate Watson. So when you have that in the paint, and then you have Al Durham, Jared Bynum, A.J. Reeves in your backcourt, all guys capable of hitting perimeter shots, of making things happen, it leads them to having four guys, five guys scoring in double figures. They don't need certain things 
to happen for them to win. They're 11-2 and two in games decided by five points or less this season, so they know how to finish. Their average age is 23 uh, of their rotation players, 23 years of age. That's older than the Oklahoma City Thunder. So they're old, <laughs> they're connected, and they make things happen. And they have benefited from the extra year of eligibility that the COVID season allowed. But to Ed Cooley's credit, he's got this group playing unselfish basketball. And, and Ant, I'll say it on, on your airwaves, I, I think that Ed Cooley's story is one that, that will get discussed more nationally this week. Ed came from nothing. He grew up in a broken home. He grew up with water and electricity not being a given. He had nothing in his life. And the, the odds makers would say that he would be a guy that's, that's on the street somewhere right now. And he'll tell you that. And here he is as the head coach of Providence, leading them to their first Sweet 16 in 25 years. That is the American dream. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. And love the storytelling aspect of where folks are around the country get introduced to additional characters that maybe they haven't known as much about. Uh, you were referencing uh, some of the experience in the field a little bit earlier. And Villanova certainly qualifies in that regard as well. They're getting ready to take on Michigan tonight. Well, what is it about Jay Wright's squad that has them on the cusp of a, you know, a, another potential Final Four appearance? Well, they do not turn the ball over. It's it's remarkable how they're lowest in college basketball and turnover rate and how they shoot the three ball. They average over nine threes per game. They're a team that, to me, what stands out about their growth is that it's more than just Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore. Their supporting cast has gotten better as the season's gone on, and that's what makes them dangerous is that Jermaine Samuels shot seven for nine against Ohio State, stretch four. Uh, he's got a perimeter game. Eric Dixon hit the dagger shot against the Buckeyes. Dixon's the guy that redshirted, and Jay Wright likes to redshirt his guys to give them that year of development. I think we've seen that on display with Dixon. So it's just a team with a nice mix of, of balance in their starting five. It could be Justin Moore one night. It could be Colin Gillespie the next. But one thing's for certain, Villanova will not turn the ball over. They're going to play a slower tempo, which means if you are making mistakes, you are, you're screwed. You're in a tough position if you're facing them and you make mistakes. So for me, Villanova is the most efficient team left in this field. Now, they're not an explosive team. So if you get on a run against them, they struggle to answer that, but they're so deliberate in their approach. They're like the boa constrictor of March Madness. I love that. I, I like to use that terminology in football pretty, pretty frequently also with certain defenses there. So for Chicago's own Juwan Howard and leading Michigan then, what, what should their approach be? If Devontae Jones is going to be able to play if he takes the court, then you do have your point guard out there. But they had a freshman in Frankie Collins in their opening round game or their first round game against Colorado State that did some really nice things. So is it about Michigan trying to play the game at a, at a tempo that maybe makes Nova uncomfortable? Yeah, I think that that's a big key. Uh, Michigan has to get some tempo, and they got to get an inside. you got to get Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate rolling. Get your length to wear Villanova down. Villanova's not a, they're not a big team. They're undersized. You have to make them pay for that. Draw fouls. Make it a physical game. Here's one thing, Ant. Villanova plays six guys. They don't have eight or nine guys. They, they don't. They're really down to six guys in their rotation. It's amazing. They... They don't have depth, but the guys that they put out there are just so good, you wouldn't take them off the floor. 
Michigan's got to give Villanova in some foul trouble in the post, make Dixon work. And if they could do that, Michigan can have a chance. And Eli Brooks, the veteran guard, has to negate what Gillespie and Moore do. And he's got to be in control of the game, which is going to be really hard. But I think that starts with getting the ball inside, hitting in the post. Michigan, you are not going to beat Villanova at a three-point shooting contest. Get the ball on the interior, and you'll have a chance to win. And the, in my estimation, the only real Cinderella that remains in the field, because we're not going to count Miami or Iowa State as a Cinderella. Certainly won't count Michigan as a Cinderella, even though they're double-digit seeds. But St. Peter's, yes, that, that's the Cinderella that's still in the field. Do you give them much of a chance against Purdue tomorrow night? Man, as much as my heart would like to, because who doesn't love a Cinderella story? <laughs> the answer is going to be no this time around because Purdue is just so big. I don't know how St. Peter's is going to guard Jack Eating and Travion Williams. And if Purdue is hitting threes, St. Peter's can't compete with that. You know, that St. Peter's would prefer a grinded out, muck it up game. And that's really not Purdue. And I just don't know how, how the raw talent in this case wins. With, when you consider the fact that both these teams, like Purdue is not going to underestimate St. Peter's now. There's no question that Kentucky underestimated St. Peter's, and they paid a heavy price. They paid a heavy price. And then in the NCAA tournament, when you play for the second time in three days, like Murray State and St. Peter's did, St. Peter's was riding a wave, and they pulled off the upset. And defensively, they were great. It's going to be hard. You could play the best defense possible and still give up a bucket to Purdue. But I will say this. All of the pressure is on Purdue. All of it. It wouldn't surprise me if St. Peter's hangs around. But there's no time like the presence. And I don't think there's a program that has the magnifying glass on them more this week than Purdue. They've never been to the Final Four under Matt Painter. They've gotten close. They've gotten close. You're one seed, not in your region. You're two seeds not in your region. To make the final four, you've got to be St. Peter's and either UCLA or North Carolina, both of whom are good teams, but Purdue on their best day is better than those two teams. I look at it as I don't see St. Peter's pulling off the upset, but golly, Purdue, there's no time like the present. If you're going to make the final four this with Matt Painter, this is as good a chance as you're going to have you have Jaden Ivey, a lottery pick, and you have great size. And then when you look beyond St. Peter's, I mean, UNC or UCLA, yes, talented teams, but Purdue, certainly the most gifted team that remains in, in that East region right now. So it all seems to line up for the Boilermakers and Matt Painter. We'll see how that ends up playing out, man. Hope you enjoy your time in Chicago. You, are you taking in the, the whole Chicago scene? Are you doing some deep dish? Are you doing some Al's beef or mm. anything like that? I'm about to head to lunch at Old Cheval. Oh, look at you. Look at you. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> I hit RPM Steakhouse last night. That, that treated me well. You can't go wrong in this town with the food. You cannot go wrong. Yeah, doesn't get much better. Nothing but the finest for John Fanta. Enjoy your time in our fair city, John. I appreciate your time, man. <laughs> and thanks for having me. Have a great day. That is John Fanta, play-by-play for Fox Sports. You can see him on the field of 68 as well, one of the hosts of Big East Shootaround. He is on Twitter at John underscore Fanta.
There's a, an anniversary that took place this week, and it, it relates to uh, a, a motion picture masterpiece that has been discussed recently on this show. And I believe it relates to one of the squads here in this town as well. I'll tell you what I'm talking about next on the Lawrence Holmes Show on The Score. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. You can't just flush it. I mean, it's happened too many times. You know, you got to learn from it. Um, and it really is on the road for us. You know, I feel like at home we play um, at least my, my last two games, you know, that I've been back, Cleveland game and, and Toronto. Those have been, I mean, the only two good games we've played over the last couple of weeks, a uh, week and a half. Um, it's just something about being on the road where we got to lock in and get get better. You know, we, we have to have a different mindset going on the road, you know, especially when shots aren't going in um, on a back-to-back playing against the, the you know, reigning champs. You got you to gotta know what you're in for. That was the voice of Bull Stud, Alex Caruso, talking about the state of the team at the moment. He's going to let it linger. It is going to fester. Hopefully, it will infuse a little bit more intensity, not only in him, because really, Alex Caruso tends to bring it, but maybe his teammates will feed off of him as well. And breaking news on the score is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. And our guy, Casey Johnson, just tweeted out a little while ago, the Bulls have downgraded DeMar DeRozan to out tonight versus the Pelicans. Zach Levine will be playing in this game, though, and that uh, I've one of my one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the films that I enjoy more than than most other movies I watch, whether you view it as a as just a straight action movie, as a kung fu movie, as a black exploitation movie, as a comedy. It fits so many different categories. And actually, Lawrence was uh, what, what was it, Brandon? Was it last week or week before last when when the Last Dragon was coming up here on the show? Yeah, it was about like I would say a week and a half ago. He talked about it. Yeah, man. And when I heard that that was coming up, it just it. It did my heart good because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I do want to, uh, just for those who are 
who are sort of unintroduced to the last dragon and the majesty of Bruce Leroy and show enough. Let's give the folks a little taste, Brandon. Am I the meanest? Sure enough. Am I the prettiest? Sure enough. Am I the baddest mofo low down around this town? Sure enough. Well, who am I? Sure enough. Who am I? Sure enough. I can't hear you. Sure enough. Shogun of Harlem. Yeah. I mean, this movie has everything, man. It actually... The announcement was made earlier this week because I, for years now, I've followed an account on Twitter called The Last Glow. And so they just, every once in a while, they put out different updates about The Last Dragon. They sell Last Dragon merchandise. Every once in a while when there's been rumors about like a Last Dragon remake that's been out there, they kind of keep folks updated on that. But apparently The Last Dragon is actually going to be on HBO Max starting next month, which is supremely exciting news to me. The film came out, actually the, uh, the anniversary, I guess it would make the, what, 37th anniversary of The Last Dragon was just a couple of days ago on March 22nd since the, uh, since the movie was just released. But the way that in my mind this relates to the current state of the Chicago Bulls is because for right now, you know, because of, you know, like I was kind of talking about with, with Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito a little while ago where Lance Lynn, he's what, 34. He, he's, you know, as far as the opening day started, if you start Lance Lynn, that makes sense. You start Lucas Giolito, that makes sense. But for the future of the Chicago White Sox, that individual from, from an ACE perspective is Lucas Giolito. Until further notice, until you go out and, and spend some Max Scherzer money on somebody else, maybe on Max Scherzer. Until that, Lucas Giolito is your ace. He's the future of your starting pitching staff. Until you you know you can you can count on someone else there, then right now, as, as we see it at the moment, that is Lucas Giolito. He is the Bruce Leroy in that scenario. And I would say the Bulls have a very similar scenario in what they got this season from DeMar DeRozan, I mean, it has been spectacular. He has, at times, been able to carry the Bulls on offense, in late-game scenarios, in distribution, especially because of some of the folks who've been out of the lineup. But when you're looking at the future of the Chicago Bulls, when you're looking at, at what this franchise is going to be with, with Acme, with, with AK, Mark Eversley, what, what they will look like in the seasons to come – I mean, there's no reason to think DeMar DeRozan won't be around next season, won't continue to play at a high level. But when it comes down to who will be, who should be counted on to be the face, not just a face, but the face of the Chicago Bulls for seasons to come, that individual is Zach Levine. That individual is the one who is only, still at this point, eight years in his NBA career, still only 27 years old. Now, as of right now, Zach Levine has this bulky knee, this issue that will continue to linger throughout the rest of the regular season, throughout however long their postseason run ends up lasting. And so what we have gotten in spurts here since the All-Star break is just that. We have gotten spurts of elite-level Zach Levine. And I get it. I understand it. I, I had microfracture surgery on my knee. I've had these PRP treatments on my knee, this 
platelet-rich plasma that gets injected in there. I've had Euflexa and Synvisc. I've had, I, had a, I had a reconstruction on my knee. I've had a bunch of procedures all over my body, but specifically to some of the things you're hearing about, Zach Levine, the concerns there, the, the draining of fluid that has to happen, the, the ways that they're trying to manage the pain, the discomfort that's there. I got all the respect in the world for what Zach Levine has been attempting to do in playing through this stretch of basketball for the Bulls in the hopes of trying to help this squad. And at this point, they they have virtually secured at least a play-in playoff berth, but then hopefully more than that, hopefully beyond that. And that's what's going to be key because I think the the expectations for for what kind of circled around this squad coming into the season – yeah, a lot of folks really thought they would end up around where they're at right now, kind of the, the middle of the Eastern Conference at best. But then expectations began to change as performance began to change, as the Bulls are performing at the top of the Eastern Conference. And so now here they sit. They're basically kind of locked in a battle with Boston for that 4-5 that range. And that, that's going to be a big deal for the Bulls because they've become – a bad road team, and continued to be a team that performs much better at home. They haven't performed well against any of the teams home or away, the top three in either of the conferences. But if you are, which it's looking like, you know, they're, they're going to be locked into some sort of a first-round battle with Boston, this last finishing kick, this final push in the final 10 games that maybe you can make to see if you can get back into that four seed, certainly to stay ahead of Cleveland, to stay ahead of Toronto, so you don't have to face one of those top three squads. You got to, one, stay ahead of the teams behind you. Stay ahead of Cleveland and Toronto. Preferably stay ahead of everybody who's in that play-in part of the bracket, but then maybe the potential that could be there to try and catch Boston. All those things have to end up being a factor for the Bulls in the aggression that they take these last 10 games with. And that's where, in my estimation, that's where Zach Levine, especially on a night like tonight, where DeMar DeRozan showed that that he could carry the Bulls to victories in games that Zach Levine missed. There was a stretch of the season where his performance was this that off the charts, but without so many of the other stars, including Zach Levine, he was still able to come up with dubs for the Bulls. Zach Levine, this is now, and maybe tonight we'll just be in a vacuum or maybe we don't see some sort of extended absence from Debo, but for tonight, this is a game that's vitally important to the Bulls because you can't continue to drop games against teams who you are who you should be viewed as definitively better than because as of right now you damn sure haven't proven you can beat the teams in the top three in either one of these conferences not only are they 0-16 they're starting to get their doors blown off by those squads to maintain that potential matchup with the Celtics is going to be huge for the Bulls you want to make sure you can at least secure that preferably even the, the home seed in that if that's a possibility that's where Zach Levine has got to fill the shoes of Bruce Leroy. He has got to get that glow. He has got to be the guy on the court tonight that doesn't just play in spurts. And maybe if he is pushing himself, not just for a quarter in the game or for a a couple of stretches for a few minutes here where we're seeing that full explosion, that he still still retains it. It's still possible in there, but it, it does seem like we've seen a version of Zach Levine that's sort of been picking his spots to either be a spot-up shooter, to be a guy that's a finisher below the rim. With no deep on the court tonight, Zach Levine has got to be the Bruce Leroy 
at the end of The Last Dragon. Zach Levine has got to be a guy just in full on, like, you know, where, you know, like Ty Mac. For, for those of you who've actually who've seen The Last Dragon, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Like, you know, Ty Mac, he's got Leroy Green is there. Shonuff is trying to take him down. Vanity is over there. Like, you know, I don't know who would, I, I guess the, the, the four seed maybe would be Vanity, who like Eddie Arcadian just has her like, you know, gripped up. And she's got like a, a muzzle in her mouth or whatever. Somewhere Richie Green, his younger brother, is over there getting kicked in the face by somebody else. And like the whole NBA world is just encircling Zach Levine and the Bulls right now. And you don't have who right now up to this point in the season, like, you know, the master, the one who taught all the moves to Bruce Leroy earlier in the movie. You find out that it's just a fortune cookie where the master has given this to Bruce Leroy. He breaks it open. And by the end of the movie, spoiler alert, 37 years later, by the end of the movie, Bruce Lee figures out that the master was telling him the whole time that he was actually the one who had the glow, that he was the last dragon. And through that lens, Zach Levine knows that he's got game. Zach Levine knows that he is supremely talented, that he, he has the ability to just take over NBA games. But because of some of the physical limitations there and because for the bulk of the season he's had DeMar DeRozan playing alongside of him, you haven't seen him pushing himself in that regard. Tonight has to be a night for Zach Levine, for the Chicago Bulls, for those who are dressing in this game where you do see that elite level Zach Levine. I think that, you know, what he has available to him contract-wise, he's locked up the max deal. That part is cool. But tonight can be one of those nights where you're sort of redefining how you're viewed in the sport. Back-to-back All-Star games, that's there. Finally on a, an excellent team, that's there. But now, with no Debo in the lineup, Zach Levine, have the glow. Reassert yourself. And we saw some of that, you know, that tenacity kind of coming out, him being upset the other night. Getting upset after you're down 30 points, that's understandable. Be upset from jump. Be upset from the opening tip-off, man. Don't, don't just have Alex Caruso be the only guy out there diving around. And if it means you got to sit the next couple games out, if Debo comes back, then all right. They got to press, the, the, not the panic button, but they got to push the envelope a little bit more tonight and make sure they get this game against the Pelicans. We go ahead and take a time out. I, I, I want to make sure I'm pressing that, that emphasis on how important I feel this game is for the Chicago Bulls. I do want to do a little bit of word association. We're going to do some transition coming up here with, uh, with Danny Parkins. I'm not sure if it's exactly solo Parkins or if Speaks is going to be there. I know some, some Las Vegas travel is, uh, is in the midst as well. But we're going to transition in, in just a few short moments right here. Anthony Heron in for Lawrence Holmes on the Lawrence Holmes Show, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score is uh, where, as usual, some enjoyable conversation taking place that I am greatly enjoying especially well two things one since i had john fanta on at the top of this hour uh, from the field of 68 podcast and also just covering the big east and a variety of conferences for fox sports um his name yes his last name did stand out to me as it has stood out to the twitch feed and so as i'm having a conversation with, with uh, john fanta and i've been able to talk to him a couple of times here yes the Fanta, don't you that is definitely kind of ringing through as a music bed 
in my head, as obviously has been the case here uh, on the Twitch stream as well. So that is uh, enjoyable to see that. And as per usual, when The Last Dragon gets brought up, folks are, are chiming in with a variety of their, their uh, I guess, their preferences, uh, preferences for movies of that ilk. I would certainly put Big Trouble in Little China in a similar category where to me, like, I, I think when you see lists of movies in that similar space, you know, sometimes they, they both occupy a space where folks discuss them as like the, the best bad films or something like that. I just think they're great movies. And I think they're enjoyable. I think you got to know exactly what you're getting into when you're going to watch them, when you're going to view them. And, uh, you know, so like Samurai Cop, like, yeah, if you enjoy Samurai Cop, okay, that's a good bad movie. I got no issue with that. But I think there's different categories for that. Uh, like Bloodsport. Bloodsport, you know, is it a, a good, bad movie or is it just a good movie? Certainly an enjoyable movie is Bloodsport. But I, I don't necessarily think Bloodsport on the whole is quite as well made as a couple of movies that I'm talking about here. But I'm glad that, that folks have it. Yes, thank you. Big big trouble in Little China, no doubt about that. But also uh, on the text line, uh, 312-644-6767 is where folks have been texting in about that portion of the discussion as well. An outstanding, and I mean outstanding submission from the 574, Buster Rhymes being show enough in the remake if they ever and i'll say this i'm not always big on remakes of of movies that were a big deal when i was a kid because they just occupy a a special place for me like karate kid i was i was a real young kid when the karate kid came out then they do the remake with with will smith's son uh, who was Jaden, uh maybe or i don't know one of will smith's sons uh did a, a remake of the karate kid you know what i ain't mad at you but I didn't really watch it. Like, I'm into Jackie Chan. That's cool. I saw pieces of it, but wasn't really into that. Wasn't into a lot of remakes from 80s movies. For whatever reason, I'd kind of be into a Last Dragon remake. There were rumors for a while that Samuel L. Jackson would be one who would actually play Shonuff in a remake of The Last Dragon. That ended up not being the case. That didn't end up materializing. But a, a couple of folks were asking for me to repeat the Twitter handle of the Last Dragon tribute account that I've been following for a long time at the Last Glow is is where you can follow this tribute account for the the Last Dragon movie. I would imagine Big Trouble in Little China probably has some tribute account out there for it as well. That's a movie that I hold close to my heart, also uh, just a, as one that I enjoyed. See, I'll say this: like Hudson Hawk, that's a good bad movie. That that's one I would submit as a good bad movie. Bruce Willis, um, Danny Aiello. I think is a, is one of like his buddy in the movie uh, who Andy McDowell is there as kind of the pseudo love interest to, to Bruce Willis and Hudson Hawk, not a good movie, but, a, but an enjoyable movie kind of before Bruce Willis became kind of action goon and just kind of the guy who doesn't smile in movies anymore. Bruce Willis was kind of like the, the roguish lover boy type, you know, he was kind of the, the cool goofball back in the day when he was in, like, Moonlighting. This is way before Brandon Fryer's time. I don't know how much of this. Like, obviously, Brandon, I know because uh, Lawrence has discussed The Last Dragon recently that you're at least familiar with some of these things I'm bringing up. But does, like, Hudson Hawk, the show Moonlighting, does any of that sound familiar to you? I know a little bit about Hudson Hawk, so, yeah. The Moonlight, okay. no, I didn't, I don't think I've seen that one yet. But, yeah. Big Trouble in Little China? I did see Big Trouble in Little China. My dad got me okay. watching some of this. So I've seen a lot of these type of movies, and I, I like them. I enjoy them. It's a good watch. <laughs> yeah, good, man. I'm very, very glad to hear that. Uh, I'm going to do a quick uh, quick word association before I get out of here because I think 
where where we're at at the moment. We're here. We're getting into the latter stages of March. April's going to be upon us, and the storylines around a variety of the teams in this city are uber uber intriguing. So I, I did a quick exercise this morning after I finished my my Big Ten radio show for Sirius XM. Had a couple hours in between, so I just did a, a quick word association just on on how like what word pops into my head which with each of these sports teams in the city. So when I did the Bulls, first word that came to mind, I just typed it out real quick, decelerating. Because there was a stretch of the season where where they just they they exceeded everyone's expectations. It seemed like almost like Thibodeau style. They were just playing at a pace, at a tempo, with a tenacity that was exceeding anyone else in the Eastern Conference, exceeding a lot of the teams in the NBA, and that defensive rating was really high, and Alex Caruso's diving all over the place. Folks are chatting MVP for him, MVP for Debo, everything else. At this point, unfortunately, from, from a Bulls perspective, they're now decelerating at a time where a lot of these other teams around the league are starting to hit the throttle, and they've made their acquisitions. They're getting healthy at the right time. They're getting their talent back. Even the Nets, you know, there's you know space that – that's being occupied by some of the media members saying that apparently things might be uh, turning with the rules in New York where maybe Kyrie's going to be able to play home and away games and everything else. So there's a lot of folks getting right at the right time, heading towards postseason play, and their game is stepping up. Bulls going in the opposite direction. Decelerating is the word I came up with for the Bulls. Now the Bears, obviously some news being made around the National Football League and a whole lot of splashy Big name acquisitions, transactions that are taking place, quarterbacks, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, you name it. Biggest news the Bears have been making from a transaction perspective has been the folks who aren't here anymore. My word is methodical for the Bears. That that seems to be, at least at the moment, the approach that Ryan Poles, the approach that Matt Eberflus is taking right now. And for now, it it definitely seems to make sense, in my opinion. I, I don't think that even after making some cap space to assume that you can immediately come in and start making some, some splashy acquisitions that will make sense for where they're at, the space they're occupying at the moment as a franchise. I didn't anticipate that. They both struck me, and, and every time they've addressed the media, have struck me as very thoughtful, very methodical types of individuals, and that's what we're seeing. That's the approach we're seeing from the Bears right now, very methodical approach. Socks, captivating. You know, I, I don't think that there's not a whole lot the White Sox do that isn't newsworthy at the moment with the guys who are back and with the season that was there, still being able to win the division and all the dozens and dozens of games that were lost from some of the top young talent in baseball didn't matter. And frankly, that's a part of why I think they're still being fairly, fairly systematic, fairly exacting with what they're doing and the approach they're taking right now because they know all that talent that's there. Why would they anticipate they're going to get all banged up and beat up and lose all those games, all those starts from everyone else. I'm captivated by the White Sox. Cubs, purgatory is where I would say they operate at the moment. And uh, Blackhawks, icky, was the first thing that popped, popped into my head. Man. That's what I wrote down for the Blackhawks. But there, there's a lot to be – there's a lot that's really intriguing about the teams around the city at the moment. And, yes, I, I do know uh, Twitch stream, uh, the, the word moist that was used in transition earlier with uh, when Layla Rahimi and Chris Ranji were here together. Who knows? Maybe I'll go find myself a little dessert, get something else moist happening there later on in my day. Let me get ready for some transition. Danny Parkins is alone. We got some solo Parko happening. We'll be right back here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. 
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and ATT at tmobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.